0: Okay, let's turn to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5-7. to As Moses delivered the law to Israel on Mount Sinai, so Jesus delivered the instructions on a mount in Israel to the people. Now, eight times he mentions the kingdom. The question is, how does Jesus indicate that we should relate to the kingdom? We're specifically going to look at the opening of the sermon, uh, what we call the Beatitudes, the eight blessings that Jesus said we would receive if we enter the kingdom. Now the timing of receiving the blessings will be key. There are differing views on the nature of the kingdom and how you view the kingdom has dramatic implications on your biblical framework. Now there are those that believe Jesus was presenting a spiritual kingdom that we receive today along with the blessings of the kingdom that we will read about in a moment. Now, then there are those who believe Jesus inaugurated the kingdom in his first coming and will consummate the kingdom in his second coming. Now, this view is sometimes called already and not yet or now and then. It's the the inaugurated view. Now, then there are those who uh, view Jesus was presenting a future kingdom now some within this camp have suggested that not only is the kingdom future but also the application of the message is not for gentiles today earlier dispensationists held this view now having said that the main body of those who hold the future kingdom view hold that the implications are present and this is my view that the kingdom is future and the application of jesus's message is for today for both jew and gentiles now don't take my word for it grab yourself a bible and let's find out okay turn to uh, matthew chapter 5 starting at verse 3 blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted Blessed are those when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, in verses 3 to 10, Jesus reveals that blessings are received for those who meet the requirements of his kingdom. And these spiritual characteristics required For entrance to the kingdom are followed by either theirs is present or they shall future jesus intentionally sandwiched verses 4 to 9 that present a future fulfillment they shall between verses 3 and 10 that present an immediate reality theirs is the kingdom of heaven the kingdom presently belongs to those who are meek merciful and so forth yet the blessings connected to the kingdom are presented as a future reality now it would be difficult to support the view that jesus suggested the kingdom to be a present spiritual reality there's no indication that jesus was completely flipping the jewish eschatological hope this is an entirely jewish audience and their expectation of the kingdom was founded upon the abrahamic and davidic covenants and the words of the prophets If centuries of thinking were to be flipped on its head and replaced with a spiritual kingdom now, we would expect to see it here, but we don't. A future earthly kingdom harmonised with the Old Testament hope is presented. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus is referenced in a Psalm of David, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace on five occasions in psalm 37 it says that the wicked will be cut off from the land but those who trust in the lord and do good those who wait for the lord the righteous and the meek shall inherit the land and their heritage will remain forever now jesus uses this psalm eschatologically, knowing that while the wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him, the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. Continuing the flow from the Old Testament, the land of Israel is intrinsic to the gospel message. There will be a division between the righteous and wicked, which is determined by their inward response to the Lord. The righteous of Israel will inherit the land, which in turn would become a global blessing. This was an entirely Jewish audience who would understand that Jesus is referring to the future restoration of Israel and the establishment of the kingdom. Jesus was affirming the Abrahamic covenant, saying the meek of the land, they shall receive it. The land of Israel is at the heart of the biblical narrative. For a moment, picture with me the Jewish audience that stood before Jesus. They would be familiar with the story of Adam's disobedience thrown out of the Garden of Eden, which is the same land as Jerusalem, and the curse that was put upon the land. They would teach their children about how God removed the people from the land by destroying it, which had global implications. In the time of Noah. They would also know that the Noahic covenant meant that God promised never to curse the land in a global flood again and they could simply look around and see that the cycles of the seasons they continued so God had kept the covenant. They would know the mandate to be fruitful and multiply and increase greatly on the earth was reaffirmed to Noah and all the flesh that is on the earth and then kindly prompted by God at the city of Babel. Their love for Abraham would adorn their faces as they recited the covenantal promises of the land, their people dwelling safely within it and blessing all of the lands around them. They would remember in the festivals how God led them in the Exodus, the giving of the law which birthed their nation and then leading them towards the promised land. They knew that within this law, within this instruction, contained promises. That they would eventually be reinstated to the land if they corporately repented leviticus 26 deuteronomy 30 it would click would it that this man stood before them jesus yeshua had the same name as joshua yeshua who courageously first claimed the land they knew that, la- that the land was a key component of the kingdom and the everlasting throne promised to david was the backdrop to the great hope that the rightful king would soon appear. They would be aware of the history of the removal of the land to Assyria, to Babylon, and the miraculous return to the land. And as he spoke to their hearts, they would wonder about the timing of the new covenant and its promise to restore their fortunes of the land, as spoken of by their prophet Jeremiah. They would long for the words of the prophets that consistently speak of the full restoration of israel and the judgment of those who have divided up the land to come to fruition finally they mused the romans would be removed from the land along with their puppet kings and they shall be blessed jerusalem their dusty capital suddenly looked like it was on track to return to Edenic conditions when you face the message From the Jewish worldview that they they held in the first century, it's hard to conclude anything other than Jesus was affirming the Old Testament hope of an earthly kingdom established by a warrior king. Now, the present application is clear. Jesus expects certain characteristics from those who are sealed for the kingdom. Now, interestingly, speaking of those declared righteous, Psalm 37 says, The law of his God is is in his heart. It was to their heart that Jesus is speaking. Jesus was saying that certain inward characteristics would receive the external blessings. And moments later, he would encourage them to glorify the Father in heaven by being salt and light to those around them. Now, that they were warned some would be persecuted for righteousness' sake makes it clear that their character traits were expected in this age and not purely for the future kingdom, because um, there will not be persecution in the kingdom. Now also in verses 11 to 12, uh, which is a kind of side to the sandwich, or expounding upon the bottom slice in verse 10, in which Jesus informed them that those who will receive the blessings above, they, they should be prepared to be reviled, the persecuted, slandered, during the wait. Their reward of blessings is presently in heaven and will be received in the future. They are told to rejoice now because of their great hope waiting for them to receive in the future. They are expected to endure like the prophets who were before them. Now those who hold a view that sees Jesus inaugurate the kingdom, they point to verse 3 and 10. But look, the use of is acknowledges the possession of the kingdom that will be received in the future. Now, when you buy a product online, you have secured the possession of it by paying for it. You could rightly say the product is yours. However, the blessings you receive from the product will arrive when the delivery is made. Therefore, the present tense of is should be seen in light of the future delivery of the kingdom. An inaugurated kingdom or an already and not yet or a now and then viewpoint is therefore not the best interpretation. Now also one of the issues of the inaugurated view is that of timing. When precisely does Jesus inaugurate it? Was it here in the Sermon of the Mount? When does he announce it? He had not yet secured the kingdom at the cross. He hasn't risen yet. He hasn't ascended to the throne in heaven. The kingdom cannot be inaugurated until the day of the Lord has arrived, the resurrection of the dead, the judgment of the nations. That must occur first. I cannot see how you can interpret a spiritual kingdom in the Beatitudes or elsewhere in the New Testament. Why would you want to replace a great tangible hope with a fluffy concept? I just don't know. Now because in the West we have watered down the Gospel, I believe many people are just not aware of views outside of the over spiritualized bubble. So we use phrases like, we're building the kingdom, when in fact you're building on sand. I have sympathy with those who have an already and not yet view. Um, in my experience they have a much better grasp of kingdom concepts. However, I would say that very often we end up putting more emphasis on the now, on the present, than the then, the future. Now, not always. I, I know a great ministry that has blessed me immensely, and they hold to an inaugurated view. I am more convinced than ever that the kingdom is firmly in the future. It changed my entire study. When you start to read the New Testament with a framework that focuses on a future kingdom, you can't unsee it. All of a sudden the Old Testament makes way more sense and the grand narrative from Genesis to Revelation just becomes just thunderous. And we've only looked at one passage of the New Testament. I haven't even touched on the obvious verses that reveal a future kingdom that sees the restoration of Israel. Uh, But I hope to do uh, more videos on this topic, on the nature of the kingdom, uh, because I believe it's of such importance. Anyway, I hope this was helpful. Blessings.